0: Today on the Cameron Journal Podcast, we're talking with Joe Palizzi. He is the head of The Tilt and is doing the Creator Expo in Arizona that I am going to uh, next week, and we're talking all about Web3 technologies and what they mean for the creator economy. I was really excited to have him on and have a chat with him and to chat with him more when I'm done in Arizona, but this is a fascinating conversation. I know a lot of people are confused about crypto and NFTs and Web3 and what does this all mean and what the hell is going on. So in the spirit of my first book, we're going to ask him what the hell is going on with Web3 technology and NFTs and learn all about it and find out perhaps what exciting new things the Cameron Journal will have soon. So let's get ready to learn all about Web3. Let's go. This is the Cameron Journal Podcast. It's a place where we talk about important things. It's a place where we bring a little slice of the news to you. And it's a place where we do important things, have important conversations. It's also things that I like to talk about. My name is Cameron Cowan and this is the Cameron Journal Podcast. on the Cameron Journal podcast we're happy to welcome Joe Polizzi to our to to the to the channel um, we have oh, so much to talk about so as some of you might know there's this new thing running around with web3 and nfts and crypto and the metaverse and all this sort of thing it's all very confusing it's all very esoteric what the hell is it we have no idea um I am barely learning about it. All this type of thing. Fortunately, um, next week, um, about nine days from the recording of this podcast, um, I'm going to be heading down to Arizona to go to a conference with our guest who has created this conference to learn all about all of these things. Um, so that's which is a very exciting thing. So we're going to talk about what some of these technologies mean, what all of this is, and how it impacts creators like yours. Truly, welcome to the Cameron Journal Podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Excellent. So let's start from the beginning, um, right at the very beginning. What the hell is Web3 technologies and all this sort of thing? Give us a basic outlay of the world. Sure. Absolutely. It's very confusing. It is is confusing. Yes. No one really knows what it is, so I'm hoping you can shed light on it.
1: Well, I certainly hope I can. I can share a little bit of light on it. I think it's probably helpful just to talk about where I'm coming from, because what we're really talking about is Web3 specific for for content creators. That's my focus. So when I'm talking about content creators like yourself, we're talking about podcasters and bloggers and event producers and newsletter writers and YouTubers and TikTokers and all those types of things. And in general, there is a business model for those people, you build an audience, a loyal audience over time. And then once you build that loyal audience, you're able to monetize that audience in multiple ways. A lot of people listening to this might think about, oh, is that influencers and do they monetize through sponsorship or advertising or whatever the case is, that's one way to do it and another way to do it would be oh i'm going to sell paid subscriptions or the way that you know we're doing it for creator economy expo we're launching an event we have sponsors and paid registration so once you build an audience there's lots of different ways to do it and then here comes this thing called web3 and i went down the rabbit hole Cameron in in about the as the end of 2020 because i was like okay what does the, what is this thing called the token so the web when you say web3 what you're really talking about is this insertion of what we call tokenization. It, the token drives everything. It's almost like, what if the internet had a currency and that would be the token? And there's a couple different types of tokens. So when you think about Web3 from just a layperson's perspective, you're thinking about, okay, well, there's a blockchain and a creator can develop something scarce And that scarcity is driven by a token. And there's two different types of tokens. One is a fungible token and one is a non-fungible token. So everybody's probably heard about NFTs or whether they think about them as overpriced JPEGs, whatever the case is. But what you want to think about is there is a currency there. There is a value underlying that. So a non-fungible token is a unique currency, is a unique Token on the blockchain and a fungible token is something that is uh, that you you and I can interchange. It's like the dollar. So if you had a dollar and I had a dollar and we switched, it wouldn't matter. It's all the same. So if somebody has a social token like we do for our company, it's called Tiltcoin. And there are 150,000 of these tokens available. Those tokens are have the same value regardless of who has them. If you have a non-fungible token, we have an NFT project called Neverending Tickets. Each one of those tokens has something different. There is a different image, but it's more what that image represents. Does that get them access to the event? Does it get them access to a VIP party? So it, it does it get them a special utility that they can't get anywhere else? There's lots of different tokens going out there. A lot of them have usages. I can get into a special club. It might be a membership, whatever the case is. What you just need to think about it is it's just an underlying business model that now can run on the scarcity that the creator develops. And that's it's on the blockchain, open blockchain. It's completely transparent. So if a blockchain is a is a ledger, it's everyone can see how many tokens there are and there's value to each one of those tokens. And some of it is completely made up. And you probably see some of these crazy projects out there and NFT projects that are just launching and they're like, how is there any value there? And then you're looking at some of them like Gary Vaynerchuk launched his VFriends NFT project where everyone gets a pass to his event. They get, uh, some of them have very particular experiences. Like for example, you might get to go and see a Knicks game on the floor with Gary. If you get that token, that has its own a uh, special utility with it so it's just a different way to monetize an audience that we've never had before and I'll just close with this and you can have, ask some questions cameron it what's interesting is that before a creator that was able to drive revenues in a lot of cases they were beholden to platforms like if i'm a youtuber and i have an audience of 100,000 subscribers on youtube in a lot of cases i I have to play by YouTube's rules. I don't necessarily control those subscribers. I don't control the algorithm. And YouTube gives me 50 whatever percent of the advertising. They take the rest, and that's the business model. And you're like, is that all there is? But if I can create some super fans from that audience, and let's say I have a 1,000 of those 100,000 that want to invest in what I'm doing as a creator, I can then create some type of a project let's say it's an nft project they can then invest in the my success as a creator and then the creator can get um direct revenues from the sale of those nfts or social tokens or what it is and then when all those are sold out you can when that's sold on the secondary market like an OpenSea, which is like the ebay for nfts every time those are sold I may get I set it up in the smart contract that's underlying these tokens that every time it's sold, I might get a two point five percent cut or a five percent cut. some go as high as ten, but generally, and it's usually about five percent. so it's it's just a new way that creators can monetize built on scarcity, and the token is sort of the engine that runs this whole thing.
0: okay. Um, in, in full disclosure, I should mention the fact that I am a part of the tilt community and I own an infinitesimally small amount of tilt coin that was a gift for signing up, whatever have you. Um, I will probably never end up doing anything with that, but hey, uh, you never know what happens.
1: But we can talk um, about that. <laughs> you can do stuff with it. <laughs> well, actually, let me let me let me talk about that because it's important because people were like, All right, so you signed up for the tilt newsletter, you got some tilt coin, what can you do with it? So my goal as a creator is for you to use that uh, as a currency so I can build a little mini economy. So what you can do if you get enough Tiltcoin, you can basically activate your membership level. So if you have five Tiltcoin, you might get an exclusive content drop every month. If you get 20 Tiltcoin, you get access to our VIP group. You can use that Tiltcoin to buy merchandise. You can use that Tiltcoin to pay for training, just like you would with fiat currency with a dollar or euro, or wherever you're coming from. So you can do the same things with that. It's just you you, you build it, you use this just in one particular community. And that's why it's so strange that people can get a handle on it because they have no value outside the community necessarily. I mean, yes, can you sell your tilt coin and uh, exchange that into ETH and then exchange that into dollars? Absolutely, you can. But in a lot of cases, what the creator wants to do is keep that, working in its own community and I need to come up as the content creator with enough things for you to use that for. So you might say, Oh, there's a lot of value there. So you want to get more, use more, more training, more events, whatever the case is, because you've invested in Tiltcoin.
0: Aha. Excellent. Well, that, um, that, that in that case I might have a, some clever use for it for some <laughs> Um, I think that's an excellent example of kind of what this all is and how it, you know, how it works in life, you know, in terms of what what use is going to uh, is going to come from these sorts of products. So, no, that, that's that that's very helpful. That's very helpful. Um, why would creators choose to kind of create their own blockchain based micro as opposed to just using money, you know, good,
1: old fashioned, reliable money. You can absolutely do that. And there's no, there's nothing wrong with it. And almost every content creator, content entrepreneur does that. This is just one other way. What I love about it and why I went down the rabbit hole in late 2020 and why I thought this was a thing is because I've spent the last 20 years figuring out the business model for a content creator, like a media company, right? You build a loyal audience and then you can monetize that directly. Then we talked about some of those things, paid subscription, advertising, or you can monetize those indirectly by selling products or consulting services or whatever. But what I love about this is, there's an, there's an ongoing exchange of value. Hopefully I will bring you value as a content creator and then you'll buy something for me. So that's the exchange of services for value. The difference where you might say, I, I want wanna get into this token economy because for the first time, there's a piece of ownership that the audience member or the community member gets. So if you, let's say that you, let's say you, you follow a musician. Um, RAC is a very popular Brazilian musician, very popular on Spotify. gets like, I don't know, millions of downloads a month. Well, if you look at RAC's downloads on Spotify, doesn't make very much from Spotify from all the plays and you're like millions and millions of plays. And I don't make much as a creator. That's sort of, The creator economy right now, there's a lot of content creation going on, but they can't monetize it. Well, what RAC did is found just five superfans that said, I'm going to sell these songs as NFTs. And as a community member, if you want to pay for it, you own it. You own the rights to it. You can own the song. You can do whatever you want with it. And sold those NFTs to those five people and made more off of that than he did off of all spotify revenues he's ever had so that's why because we're not talking about just oh, I'm going to exchange this token economy for everything else I'm doing. What you're really looking for, Cameron, are the super fans. Who are the ones that want to invest in you, that believe in you as a creator, that love what you're doing so much? They want, they're want they the ones that would be in the front row of your concert, the front row of your event. They're the ones downloading all your content, all that stuff. They're the first ones looking at your YouTube, downloading your podcast. They want something more. They want a larger content experience. Well, as a creator, how do I deliver that? You do that in the form of, in this case, I'm talking about it, an NFT, non fungible token, which underlying is a smart contract. So if you think about it, everything in the future is going to be an NFT. We're just not going to call it that but there's, there's rules set underneath for what you get. Okay, I bought this NFT. It's got a picture. Do I just get the picture? No, the picture just represents whatever's underneath it. So RAC would say, oh, you get rights to this song. You can use it however you want to. In addition, you, can, uh, you get first access to all my tickets that I might sell. I might do a personalized concert in your backyard. I don't know what he does, but you can make up those things for your super fans. And that's what I would look at if you're a content creator is, You're not going to replace your entire business model, but this is something that you can give to fans that you couldn't give before. They have the ownership. They have them in their digital wallets. If you have the digital wallet, you have your keys. It's like, oh, good. I've got RAC's NFT, or you've got Joe Polizzi's NFT, and you have that, and that's meaningful, and then I can show that or exchange that or whatever the case is, however the – If you go to a minting site or you go to OpenSea, it's like, oh, great, I've got this. I get access to this event. I get access to Joe or Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever the case is. And that's the difference. So I would think about it more, Cameron, for can I do something for super fans? Can I do it by 102 fans? As Kevin Kelly calls my thousand true fans. Yes, there's an opportunity there. And that's what I would think about.
0: Okay, excellent. I think that's, uh, I I think that's, that's, clears up kind of what it does and, and what it is and, and, all, and all this type of thing. Um, that's that's a handy, a handy, a handy idea. Um, and I, I can see now why, so, so, so really people are paying for access and experiences kind of as such rather than just the thing. Because I think a lot of people are kind of like, why are people paying tens of thousands of
1: dollars for bad art? like exactly well so so yes are there some examples of overpriced jpegs sure is there some speculation going on just like we saw in the late 90s early 2000s with the stock market absolutely there's all there's some funny business going on there as well sure so but i i would look at the utility and access is what we're really starting to see so Give you an example of what's going to happen in the real world. So, tickets to any event. So, tickets to any event right now. They're for the most part are digital. Like I, I'm a Cleveland Browns ticket holder. You can make fun of that, but I am. So, as a Cleveland Browns ticket holder, I get my tickets to eight home games on my phone. They're I digital. would never
0: make fun of you for being a ticket holder of the Browns. I just, I just pity you, and I make <laughs> you a hug. That's fine. It's please, pity, please <laughs> pity
1: me. Yes, exactly. Please pity me. Um, So and I have that ticket. And when I when I'm done using that ticket, Cameron, it stays on my phone, but it's mean it's worthless, right? Unless I want it just for posterity's sake. Oh, great. I I went to this game, whatever. It doesn't have to be that way. If the Browns were smart, and this is what you're starting to see, they're they're launching these as as non-fungible tokens that basically on the blockchain that, that can, if they want to, have ongoing value. So what if the Browns said, Oh, okay, well, I'm gonna deliver you this ticket. And even when the game's done, uh, I'm going to deliver you ongoing benefits. You can use that for to get into a club. Uh, you can get it to, to a concert afterwards. Uh, you can uh, you can show us this and I'll send you a new NFT to get an exclusive member experience or whatever the case is. So they have that connection already. They don't have to just say, oh, it's over. The other thing I like about it is it, it can be, if done correctly, peer to peer. So right now, If I want to sell my ticket uh, as a Cleveland Browns owner, I have to go through StubHub or SeatGeek or Ticketmaster, and I have to go through a third party in order to sell that. With an NFT, you don't have to. I could, If I have your address, your uh, digital wallet address, I can send it to you, and it's done. Peer-to-peer, you and I work that exactly. And if the Browns set it up correctly, when we make that transaction happen, they get a cut of whatever I sold that to you for, if, I, if you did pay me money for that. And that doesn't, they right now, whether or not, I mean, whether or not the Browns worked out a deal with SeatGeek or Ticketmaster, or whatever, they may or may not get a cut of the secondary market. This case, a creator always gets paid. So if I'm an artist and I create a painting and I sell that in real life, the first time I sell it, that's it. I never make any more money ever again off of it. It could be sold a thousand times. Not true with an NFT. And that's the brilliant thing. And that's why it's helped a lot of artists. And that's why a lot of artists like people and whatnot have gone to the NFT because every time it resells, depending on what they write in the underlying contract, they get a cut of that. So it's the first time that the creator can hang around and continue to get paid. So whether or not it's music or whether or not it's art or whether it's an event ticket or whatever, the creator always gets paid if they set it up. Like that in the in the first case, that's never happened before, and that's another reason why a content creator would be like, "Oh my god, I can make money forever off of this thing." And before they couldn't do that.
0: Yes i i've been I've been trying to figure out, and one of the reasons why I'm going to CEX is I'm trying to figure out what this can do for someone like me and what I can do for the book publishing business. The publishing industry is very very slow. I am not. So um, I'm trying to get in on this before the publishing industry figures out what all this is. Bearing in mind, they didn't use email before about 2009. So I've got <laughs> some time. Um, no, I'm dead serious. When I first started sending out uh, short stories to, uh, to literary journals, I had to send it through the regular mail with postage, self-addressed stamped envelope inside for a response. It was, and this was in 2005. I was still sending out paper, physical paper, when I first started doing submissions. They literally only started using email in about 2009, 2010. Like Submittable, which is a service that handles submissions for journals and whatnot, that just became a thing a couple of years ago, and not everybody's on it yet. That's how slow the book publishing industry moves. I'm trying to move a little bit faster on this. So I've contemplated doing like... So someone on Twitter got me into this, and he's kind of like, "You could issue like special editions of your of book covers," and I'm like, "That just sounds like a lot of free money to my graphic designer to make 12 new book covers, um, to sell as <laughs> NFTs." Um, and the but the other one I thought about doing is some of my books, especially in my mystery series, I choose how to end the book. I don't always end it. I choose. There's a few ways a book can end. I will usually pick one of those and that's what gets published. I've also contemplated selling other editions with alternate endings as NFTs. I thought that might be something interesting. That way it's like, well, yeah, there's the commercially one available you can buy on Amazon, but if you're willing to pay a little bit extra, you can have the other way I could have ended this book and you'll be the only the only a few people will ever have this, see this, or read it sort of thing.
1: Um, how does that strike you? No, no, I, I like the, uh, let's say that, so you have this award-winning uh, mystery thriller that you wrote, great, that goes out to the public, you can self-publish it, you can publish it with, uh, with, with your publisher, whatever the case is. Or you could say, okay, well, now I'm going to, there's a 100 of these special editions that have these new endings, that would obviously your super fans were going to want to get in on that. That's great. You could absolutely do that. You could also say, hey, I don't want to go with the publisher. And for this next, I've got a new book coming out in a year and you could run it like a Kickstarter. You could say uh, the the first, um, the first hundred, they get uh, a an NFT of the cover before anyone else gets it or a special edition cover that nobody else will get uh, the first hundred or the first thousand, they get access to an online event that I'm going to hold, where I'm going to do a reading or whatever the experience might be. So you could think about it beforehand in experiences and individual pieces of art, maybe it could be a book cover, could be uh, a special chapter that nobody else gets. It could be a behind the scenes of, you writing about the different characters and some of your thought into it. It could be anything, right? Whatever p- pieces of experience. And that's what it's, it's challenging if you talk to your audience. And that's what I would do. You talk to your audience and say, well, what are some of the things? I mean, you're a fan. What would you really like to have? And they will tell you. And then those are the things that you can monetize and tokenize and create those experiences. So it doesn't just have to be after. It doesn't just have to be content either. It could be about experiences and something inside baseball that they don't normally get. And we don't, you know, we're, I've, I've been seeing some of the things that authors have been doing. Uh, I think it's early days. Nobody's really figured it out yet. We're not really there. we seem to be like, we were in the artist stage just to, to begin. And now we're really in the event and music stage. We haven't really gotten to the author stage yet. Like I don't I haven't seen one that's really figured it out yet, but I think it's going to be some combination of early experiences plus never before seen content that they would get the rights to.
0: Yeah. I mean, I <clears throat> I already, I guess the 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 thing I, I look at this is because I I I am I've not had a lot of success with the traditional publishing industry. Um my first novel, I had three different agencies ask for a full manuscript and none of them bought the project um so I then said well screw you I'm just going to publish it myself because I'm going to have to do most of the marketing anyway so what do I really need you people for I'll just make more money on my own um and it's and I've had you know a good success with that and I sell books all over the world and I get to keep all the money so yay me um (laughs) but uh uh yeah I, I I'm I'm Trying to get in on this before the rest of book publishing figures it out. So that's good. That's good intelligence, good information. I think it makes this whole thing kind of more tangible because right now it seems very esoteric to most people. You know, it just seems very like a bunch of young white dudes are spending a lot of money on silliness. But if there's all this kind of other stuff you get underlying, you know, almost like being a season ticket holder for a favorite artist rather than a football team, then <clears throat> that makes a lot more sense, you know? It, it, and it's, especially with the ability to, you know, resell those privileges or whatever have you in the future, all this type of thing. That's, that's interesting and compelling.
1: There is, I, I would agree. Like the, when I first saw him, I'm like, wow, what, what the heck is going on? And then really when I looked into Gary Vaynerchuk's project, V-Friends, and I saw the experiences that he was creating for superfans, and how they were spending a lot of money because they wanted those experiences. Obviously, Gary Vee's got a huge audience, and he's able to do things that a lot of people can't. But almost every person out there has, you know, one or two or multiple superfans that would support them, whatever they do. And so that's what we have to figure out as content creators is what's our special sauce. So, I mean, there's some people that say, Joe, I, you know, like with our VIP group for Tilcoin, I basically say, Hey, you have access to me anytime. You know, we have 75 or something Tilt VIP uh, that have 20 or more Tiltcoin and they, I've got a whole discord group with them and they can ask me any questions. And if they need to get on the phone with me or whatever, that's access that they get because they've invested to that point so that's just what i made up is it perfect no is there a better way probably and that's why the things that we're creating today i would think about uh, like websites from the late 90s i would think about altavista netscape and they're they're basically so rudimentary we're just trying to figure this thing out what we're going to see in a couple of years i think is going to be fascinating and i've mentioned this before we're calling it this st- Horribly marketed thing called NFTs that people are just throwing around. Nobody's even going to call it an NFT. They're not even going to know it. These transactions are just going to happen. We're just going to pay for them however we want to pay for them. But underlying, they're going to be out on the blockchain. They're going to be transparent. They're going to be super contracts. All our insurance contracts are going to be done this way in the future. All of it's going to happen in the next five years. Are you and I going to think about it as consumers? Nope. It's just going to happen
0: No, I've, because I've those always, things can, <clears throat> the
1: technology can, It can. It, you set the rules and the technology will make all these hap- things happen. All of our medical records will be an NFT. Like no, these things I've are always, all going to happen.
0: I, I've always said, and I was an early crypto adopter. I bought in at Ethereum when it was under a dollar and sold it at a hundred. Um, and I got bought Bitcoin at $6 and sold it at 500 and all this type of thing. I was very early on that. And I basically said, cryptocurrency is basically the tulips of today. Um, but the blockchain will change the world. The, 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 whole, the whole cryptocurrency thing, I don't think that really is going to go anywhere um, long-term. But the underlying technology will absolutely 110% change the world. It will change the way everything is handled. It will make everything a lot easier. It will be a complete record of various and sundry transactions in a much more transparent way <clears throat> and i think that's the power of like the ethereum network because it also does smart contracts exactly
1: yeah and that's i would agree brilliant. right i mean yes who knows brilliant. Where all these, yeah who knows where all these cryptocurrencies are going to go but the ones that actually have utility behind them i believe eth does uh i do believe that well i believe bitcoin is more of a store of value at this point i And and I think it is, it 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 is rather, it's kind of like digital gold. Yeah, really. That's what you have to think about it as is digital gold. And so I think you're going to have some winners and losers, but right now there's a big, and and that's why when I tell people that are just getting into this, you know, where do I go? I, or what, what, what should I look at? I said, really look at the the bubble of the nineties and 2000, you had all these, internet companies everything with a dot com was getting bought it didn't matter and that's what happened a couple of years ago with all these cryptocurrencies that came out and was oh buy them up everything good 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 and then slowly you start to see the amazons and the ebay's and the etsy's and the real companies emerge because they have a real business model we're going to get to that point pretty soon i
0: think no that's excellent that's excellent i know that our time is limited Fortunately, unfortunately, and I don't want to go over too much. So why don't you, uh, let's hurry on to plugs and let us know where we can find you online, how people can get involved
1: if they want to learn more. Sure. Uh, I'm at Joe uh, Pulizzi, J-O-E-P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I everywhere. Best place is Twitter. If you want to find me, my DMs are open. You can just shoot me a a note there. Uh, The company is called The Tilt. So thetilt.com. That's our e-newsletter we send out twice a week specifically to help content creators become content entrepreneurs and learn how the business model works. And then the event that you and I will be at (laughs) in just a few days is CEX.events and it's Creator Economy Expo. It's our first year. We're really excited. We've got more than 300 content creators from all over the world coming in uh, to learn about this thing that you and I are talking about as well as how to build a business model. So it's just, uh, that's kind of my my new uh, passion is is helping content creators figure out how to become financially independent.
0: That's all for this episode of the Cameron Journal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Visit us online at CameronJournal.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I love to talk to my followers and listeners. So please feel free to uh, get us on social media at Cameron Cowan on Twitter. And we'll see you next time on the Cameron Journal Podcast.